Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We've got another great show for you today with more than 100 players making their big league debuts here in the first three, four weeks of the season. We thought it would be a great time to bring back our Scout Series podcast where we talk to the signing scouts of players who have made their big league debuts this year or are about to. And today, to lead off our 2020 Scout Series podcast, we're very, very happy to bring in Dave Dangler. He's the Pacific Northwest Area Scout for the Detroit Tigers. He was the signing scout for Tariq Skubal. Skubal is set to make his Major League debut tonight against the White Sox. He's the number 34 prospect on the BA Top 100, and really a guy that came out of relatively nowhere. He was a ninth-round pick. He had come off a Tommy John surgery in college, struggled with his control uh, in his first year back, but he really kicked it up a notch the second half of that season. Dengler was one of the area scouts who stayed on him and continued to get to know him, and obviously the reward is now here. Two years after he's been drafted, Scoobal is set to make his major league debut. We're very, very happy to have Dave join us. And and Dave is kind of really an incredible, incredible baseball lifer. Uh, Dave is one of only two coaches in history to take two different junior colleges to the Junior College World Series. He's the head coach at Lynn Benton in Oregon, took them to the National Junior College World Series in 1979, 1980, 1981. Went over and became the coach at Yavapai JC out in Arizona. Won a national championship as their head coach in 1993. He coached Kurt Schilling when he was at Yavapai, and Schilling has said that Dangler is one of the best coaches he's ever had. After that, Dave went on to become a head coach at Portland State. He's a pitching coach at Notre Dame, pitching coach at Washington. Really became known as one of the best pitching minds in baseball at the college level, and a lot of teams saw that. He's hired as a scout. He scouted for the Marlins. He scouted for the Expos. The Tigers brought him on in 2016, and already he's responsible for one of their top prospects and the guy they're calling up to make his first major league start today. Before we get to Dave, just a real quick word from our sponsors, and uh, then we'll jump into the Tariq Skubal story. Guys, a lot of our identity is wrapped up in our hair, how we style it before going out, how it looks and feels after a fresh cut. That's why when those late 20s, early 30s start to hit and those first signs of hair loss start showing up, it's pretty upsetting. Let's face it, none of us ever really want to go bald. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Keeps makes it super easy, just a quick doctor's visit online, get your hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They deliver your medication every three months, so you don't have to worry about pharmacy checkout lines, waiting for an appointment at the doctor's office. Give it a try and find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. More than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Treatment starts at $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free with a great promo offer here at Baseball America. It's a great deal. You don't want to miss out on it. If you're ready to put a stop to your hair loss, go to Keeps.com slash Baseball America. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Baseball America to receive your first month of treatment free. Once again, that's keeps.com slash baseball America. Give it a try. You won't be sorry. And let's put a stop to that hair loss. And we're pleased now to be joined by Dave Dangler. Dave, 
Tariq Skubal has become one of the top pitching prospects in the minors after being someone who was well regarded in college but was by no means seen as a top, top, top of the draft type of guy. He had Tommy John surgery, uh, but since he's gotten healthy, he's really taken his game up a notch. What did you see in Tariq when he was at the University of Seattle that made you want to bring him into the Tigers organization? Well, the first thing when you're out looking for pitching prospects, uh, you start, at least for me, I start with left-handed pitching. And uh, obviously, he's a left-hander. He's got size. Uh, his, his freshman year uh, was not spectacular, but it was strong for a freshman. He threw uh, 83 innings, struck out 67, and, and walked only 27. Uh, and that's, that's a pretty good start for a small school kid from uh, Arizona in Division I baseball. Uh, he followed that up his sophomore year and threw well uh, up to a point. And then his arm started to get uh, feel tender and not right. And uh, I saw him at the start before uh, he, he went to, I, I want to say, Minnesota or Michigan. And, and then that's when they shut him down after that start after I saw him. And he, and he had the surgery and was out the following year. Um, so there's some good things to see. We got We got – you know, high strikeouts. We got a low batting average against uh, for those first two years uh, prior to the surgery. Um, we've got a left-hander, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that you you would like. Uh, after the Tommy John surgery, uh, when he came back, uh, I saw him pitch two or three times, and, and I would tell you this: um, that that year after the Tommy John surgery, if you could divide the season into two parts, you know, uh, the first half and the second half in the first half, he wasn't real strong. Uh, and he was particularly having trouble, uh, finding the strike zone with, with all of his pitches. He had a high walk total. And I think what happened that particular year was Seattle university traveled back, uh, to the East coast, Midwest, Florida, and, and played some games and some cross checkers had a chance to see him and he just wasn't very good. So that was the lingering uh, impression of him is what they saw the first half of the year. Then due to his hard work, uh, the pitching coach there at Seattle university, his name is Elliot Cribby. He does a great job. He's now the pitching coach at the university of Washington. Um, he tweaked his delivery in the second half a little bit, got him to close up more a little less arm drag and uh, the strikes uh, started appearing in uh, the second half of the year. He threw very, very, very well. Um, and, you know, you, you look at the season totals, he's eight and two for one loss record, 80 innings pitched 106 strikeouts, but he had 56 walks, which is, you know, really high. So that's the concern. But like I said, if you, if you divide up the season uh, into two halves, that second half was really good. And in the minor leagues, as you, as you know, he doesn't, so far, I'm not trying to jinx it, but he, he does not have a ball and strike problem here in, in professional baseball. He's only got 41 walks in 145 innings and 212 strikeouts. So huh, that's, that's pretty good. Any league. No question about it. He's been absolutely incredible in the minor leagues. And it's interesting. I had first heard his name the year before he was drafted in 2017 as a guy who was someone that a lot of people liked up at the U of Seattle. I remember hearing about him maybe third round range, fourth, third round range, fourth round range. And then, as you mentioned, he had the Tommy John surgery and ended up going back to school. It's really interesting to me the dynamic of when you have a guy like that because we see some pitchers have Tommy John surgery and they're just never quite the same. Other guys, they eventually become the same, but you have to wait on it a little bit. 
as you mentioned with Scooball, took a little more time. When you're evaluating a pitching prospect who's had Tommy John surgery, how do you kind of assess that and project out, hey, I think this guy's going to get it back versus a guy who just isn't ever the same again? Well, to tell you the truth, I, I don't project that out. I leave, you know, I evaluate uh, mechanics and stuff and, you know, uh, what kind of personality the guy has, what kind of competitor he has, those types of things. But for the medical part of things, uh, you know, we have an extensive uh, program at the at, at, at was Detroit, and so I turn all that information over to our doctors. They assess and evaluate, and then they you know come up with a conclusion on, hey, this guy you know is is a is a good bet to recover from Tommy John and be just fine, and we'll keep our fingers crossed. Or in some cases, they say, hey, for whatever reason, this guy's not a good bet. Let's not take take a chance on him and draft him. So obviously, uh, Scooble got a. A green light and uh, you know what he's done is a tribute in my opinion to him he's an extremely hard worker number one and number two he's a very very intense competitor you mentioned the second half is really when he turned things around and I know a lot of times cross checkers and higher ups because they have so many guys to see a lot of times they'll go see a guy and if they see him early in the season especially at some of the smaller schools they see him one start early in the season. If he's not what they're looking for, they move on and they don't see him again. They don't, they're not able to circle back around. Did you find that, you know, there toward the second half of the season that there were less eyes on him and because of that you were able to get a better assessment on him when other teams had maybe kind of written him off a little bit? I, th- I think there's a little bit uh, to what you just said in that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the people, uh, cross-checkers had seen him in the first half of the year where he wasn't so good. I was lucky because at the WAC tournament, uh, my regional cross-checker, Marty Wolver at the time, uh, was there to cover that, and he saw Scooble throw uh, twice. Uh, the first time, I want to say it was seven or eight innings with, with 12 or 13 strikeouts and a fastball up to either 94 or 95. And I think in the draft room, that's one of the things that, you know, kind of turned the tide uh, in, in our favor for the Tigers because Marty had said, hey, we're here in the ninth round. Um, you know, we've got a six foot four left-hander that throws 94. I just saw him strike out 13 guys. <laughs> Why don't we take this guy? And, you know, lucky for us, we did. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have definitely reaped the benefits of that. And I just, I feel like I've heard this story so many times, particularly at WAC schools or other mid-majors where, you know, the guys who only see the bad start in the first half, again, just because they have so many other places to cover, they don't go back and see them. And it's those guys that get that second look later in the season after they figured things out. That's when a lot of times they see the best version of that pitcher and it makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, scouting is an inexact science, as we both know. I mean, you know, I, I'm going off of, you know, whatever my experience is and whatever I like. And, uh, you know, a part of the uh, situation with scouting is if, if I'm trying to tell you as my scouting director, hey, I really like this guy and here are the reasons why, you have to have a high degree of trust in if you've never seen him, you have to have a high degree of trust in, in listening to what I say and saying, hey, I value you know, Dave's experience and judgment and, you know, I'll go ahead and step up and do that. So it's, it's, it's always better to have not only the area scouts see somebody, but at least a regional cross checker or somebody higher up. Cause that kind of gets a collective opinion going on a guy. Absolutely. I want to go back a little bit. When was the first time you saw Tariq? Was it during that freshman season? 
Uh, I probably saw, I mean, I'm hazy on that because it's 2015, but I think I saw him pitch as a freshman someplace, okay? And, you know, you make a mental note at the time, hey, we've got a left-hander here that's a freshman that's got size and has got a little bit of stuff, so you you kind of, you know, project out a little bit. Um, but but where I really remember him uh, was I, I was at Seattle U, in, uh, in, in 2016, like I said, the start before, and I, w- I was there to see him specifically, and he just didn't have a real good start. And it looked to me, uh, he was throwing 88, maybe touched 90 is all, and it just looked like he was really laboring and, and struggling and something wasn't right. And I remember a friend of mine that uh, was an agent was there to see him as well, you know, for, for the following year. And he kind of turned to me and said the same thing. He goes, Dave, this guy doesn't look quite right. And I said, I, I agree with you. And then, like I explained, you know, earlier, he, he went back to the Midwest, had one more start, and they shut him down for the surgery. So, and, and I will say this, you know, and I, you didn't ask me this, but jumping ahead to, to 20 uh, 18 after the surgery during that first half of the year when he pitched in the northwest that was some of the worst weather that i can remember and i i grew up and i live here in the northwest you know for a long time but i watched him pitch in the snow and I'm, i mean that literally okay it's snowing and he's trying to pitch and throw strikes and you know i'm not sure anybody could throw strikes in that kind of weather so he had some things going against him that you don't account for and when you when you talk to your bosses sometimes as an area scout and you say, hey, I saw this guy, but, okay, they immediately put up a red flag. And if you say, well, it was really, really cold or it was, you know, it was snowing, they kind of nod their head like, yeah, okay, sure. But, <laughs> but seriously, it, it, it was snowing and several other starts were, were you know, rain and, and weather that Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball players they were, you wouldn't be playing any games, but they were at Seattle U, and it was just tough conditions. So there was a lot of things that factored into that first half of the year. And again, to his credit, he righted the ship, made some adjustments, and through the second half of the year, he realized the potential that kind of everybody thought that he had. Absolutely. You mentioned your cross-checker being in to see him during the WAC tournament really helped make the argument easier in terms of getting him drafted in the top 10 rounds. The Tigers took him in the ninth round in 2018, signed him for $350,000. How much convincing did you have to do with your superiors, you know, really bang the table on, hey, we do need to get this guy? Again, having the cross-checker in your corner absolutely makes that easier, but was it something where you really had to explain all those factors and, and why you believed in him, or you know, what was that process like? Okay, you know, the answer to that is, is no. Uh, the way we, the Tigers, do it is you know, prior to the draft, we have an uh, individual conference call where they ask me questions uh, 90 minutes in length uh, about individual players in the Pacific Northwest that I've covered. And then I get a chance at my discretion to talk about you know, whoever I want to talk about for in a way as long as I want to talk about them you know, before I move on to the next guy. So really what I did with Scooble is I explained just, just kind of what I told you. Hey, we got a guy here with potential. He's got size. He's got, he's left-handed. If you kind of look inside the statistics, you know, and look at his batting average against when he does throw strikes, people don't hit it a, and when he does throw strikes, he strikes out a lot of guys. So the issue is, hey, he's, he's walked people. And, you know, the, the question for us is, do we think we have people in our system that can work with him to alleviate the ball and strike trouble? Some guys never 
you know, they, and you know this, okay. There, there are guys that throw a hundred miles an hour, which is great, but it means nothing if you, if you can't get it inside the strike zone. But speed is a velocity is a commodity that you trade for. Okay. And so if the Detroit Tigers can't fix the guy that throws a hundred, then I'm picking a club. The Arizona Diamondbacks will say, well, we got a guy that can fix that guy and make him throw strikes. And when the Diamondbacks can't do it, the Chicago White Sox will say, well, we got a guy that can do it. So you see what I'm saying? So it's for in the ninth round for that kind of money, it's worth the gamble. Okay. Uh, and, and again, they didn't call me up and say, hey, do you, do you think we should take this guy in the ninth round? What they did with the people sitting in the room at, at that table is Marty Wolver, and I give him credit, stepped up and said, hey, there's a guy in the Northwest. Here's Dave's report. I've had eyes on, and here's what I saw, you know, up to 94 miles an hour, 95, left-handed, six foot four. Let's take this guy. And they did. Absolutely. He gets drafted, goes out that first year, and, and does really, really well in short stints, makes nine appearances, gets up to low A, only allows three runs, and only one of them earned in his first uh, 20-plus professional innings. But then 2019 comes, his full-season debut, goes out to high Class A Lakeland and pitches very, very, very well, moves up to Double A Erie, and in his first full season, puts up numbers that are something out of the video game. Struck out 17 <laughs> per nine, over 17 per nine, over nine starts at Double A. And that was when he really began to pop. Obviously, you, you mentioned all the things you liked about him, all the things you saw in him. Seeing him do what he did that first full season, is it safe to say that even exceeded your expectations? <laughs> I think that's safe to say. <laughs> I, you know, I followed his progress, and, and I, w- I can remember, you know, he'd punch out however many, you know, guys he strike out, and I'd tell my wife, man, Scooble just did this, and then the next start I'd go, geez, Scooble did this, and then after about four or five starts, I texted him and said, hey, you know, congratulations, keep it going, and then a- a- after, after that, you know, it, it, it continued, I thought to myself, man, I don't want to jinx this or anything, you know what I'm saying, so I'll just kind of keep watching so and that, and that's what i did but yes uh he pitched very very well and and obviously exceeded my expectations again i'm giving him credit uh, you know this is a guy that got into professional baseball i think he had some goals and some aspirations wanted to pitch in the big leagues i think he's a worker a and i think he's extremely competitive what's the relationship like as an area scout with these guys you've drafted. Obviously, you draft him. You mentioned you t- texted with him after those first four or five starts at Erie. Has there been a continuous flow of communication since he was drafted, like when he went out and got started in the, in the GCL? Like how much you know communication continues after the draft process? Well, I think it's different for different people. I, when, I, when I start scouting guys and sit down with somebody I'm interested in in the fall, uh, you know, like let, let's say we're going to have normal baseball this fall and I'm interested in somebody. If I sat down with you, you know, we would talk about a lot of different things, but ultimately I would end up telling you that from my coaching background, the last thing you want is for me to call you every week and discuss, you know, if you're a hitter, discuss your at-bats and your big RBIs or discuss individual pitches or whatever. You know, Scooble, just like everybody else, he's on a team and he's on a team that's trying to win. So the last thing he needs is, you know, interference or extra time and attention from an area scout. So I tell guys, and this is my philosophy, I don't know how everybody else does it, but I tell them, hey, my, my job is to evaluate you during the course of a season. 
your job is to pitch and try to win a championship. And so I, I basically don't talk to anybody, you know, during the season. I just watch it. Now, if I'm, if I'm walking into the ballpark and he's on his way to the van or the bus or something and we pass each other, I'm going to say hi to him and he's going to say probably hi back to me. But I'm not going to go out of my way, you know, to make a phone call. And I, this is just me, but I think kids respect that. Okay. And, and again, so, so during the season, not too much. Prior to the draft, we have to have conversations about, you know, signability and what are you interested in and what's your situation like. After the draft and he signed, then I texted him several times over the summer. I've continued to do that, but infrequently. It's not like I text him once every two weeks or whatever. I, you know, I, when he got the call up, I texted him, you know, yesterday and he texted right back and said, thank you. You know, I mean, the guy's a busy guy. He's got a lot of things going. And, you know, I just sent him a text to say, congratulations, best of luck in your first start. And, you know, I hope you have many, many more uh, long career, you know, so. Absolutely. He's scheduled to make that first start here tonight. What is it like for you as an area scout when one of the guys you sign gets the call to the big leagues? Well, it's, it's, it's a big deal, okay, because it's a, it's a long process. It happens uh, less frequently than you think. And so I, I'm trying to figure out uh, today I've been, this morning, I've been on end yesterday trying to figure out, you know, how I can watch the Detroit uh, White Sox game, either streaming on my computer or on my TV. And right now I'm stymied. Okay. But I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out before five o'clock Pacific Northwest time. I, I want to watch it, but it's exciting because when a guy's pitching, it's, and you've drafted him and it's his first start, you know, even if it's not his first start and it's a guy you're familiar with, you just got to, you know, you're riding a little bit of his coattails, watching and hoping and keeping your fingers crossed. So it's, it's cool. It really is. Absolutely. You've, you've signed a couple guys who've gotten to the big leagues before, including a couple pitchers. Um, is it every bit as exciting, you know, the third or fourth time is the first time you get that you know, the big league? Oh yeah. No, 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 it's exciting every time because it's every uh, I would assume, you know, it's every baseball player's dream when they start out in Little League. You know, you're watching TV. I'd like to be there one day. I know it was mine. You know, I'd, I'd go out in the front yard of my house and me and my brother play wiffle ball, and he'd be the American League All-Stars, and I'd be the National League All-Stars. And, you know, we'd be battling it out and thinking one day, yeah, well, uh, I'm going to be standing out there pitching or hitting or doing whatever. <laughs> didn't happen, though. <laughs> It didn't happen for most of us, but uh, you've definitely done some good stuff helping that dream come true for a lot of these guys. Dave, uh, before we let you go, what can Tigers fans expect from Tariq Skubal as the guy who drafted him for the organization and, and probably knows him as well as anyone in the game? Well, I would tell you this, you know, there's, uh, you know, for, for me, I think there's two parts to every player. You know, there's the, the, the physical part, the talent that he has. And the second part is how he's made. And uh, I think he's got the right kind of makeup. I think he's made well. I've mentioned several times in the podcast here, you know, what kind of worker he is, what kind of competitor he is. And I would think that in this particular 2020 season, whatever happens down the stretch is going to be an absolutely great foundation for next year. And I would expect him to be a solid, solid major league starter for the Detroit Tigers in the future and along with Mize and Manning and the rest of our people we've got a good farm system I would think that the Tigers are uh, going to be knocking on the door for a championship the next uh, several years 
That is certainly uh, what everyone in the greater Detroit area hopes for and all Tiger fans across the country hope for. And uh, Dave, uh, if that happened, you will have played a big part in making that happen. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate all your insight and uh, your stories about Tariq and how he came to be a member of the Tigers. Great. Hey, I sure appreciate it. Thanks an awful lot for the opportunity and uh, best of luck. Once again, that was Dave Dangler, the Pacific Northwest Area Scout for the Detroit Tigers. Again, a great pitching mind, clearly identified one of the best pitchers in the 2018 draft. Tigers got him in the ninth round. Two years later, he's set to make his major league debut and really one of the brightest pitching prospects in baseball. It's a testament to Dave and his scouting eye. Now the Tigers are reaping the rewards of uh, all of Dave's hard work and the rest of their amateur scouting staffs. This has been another edition of our Scout Series podcast here at Baseball America. If you liked him, go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Dave Dangler, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thank you for listening. Stay safe out there, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.